In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A blessed third Sunday of Easter to all of you, also known as Misericordious Sunday, which is translated, the steadfast love of the Lord, or perhaps a bit more accurately, the merciful heart of the Lord. In fact, I've chosen that as the title for my homily this morning, the merciful heart of the Lord. Because we see his merciful heart, not only as he gives himself for us on the cross, the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep, but we also see it in his glorious resurrection, how he rises no more to die and rises to be our shepherd, to be our pastor. So that what the psalmist says is forever correct. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the merciful heart of the Lord. Of course, this language comes to us in Psalm 33, which is our introit for today. But what's an introit? The word introit means entrance. It's the psalm we sing at the entrance, marking our entrance into the presence of God. You might also see the pastor enter into the chancel. But what on earth is a chancel? Well, we might liken it to the Old Testament architecture of the temple. You might think of the chancel as the holiest of holies and the nave as the holy place. The curtain separating the two has been torn for our Lord Jesus has died. And you as baptized priests, as the royal priests of God, are allowed access to the holy place and to the holiest of holies. In the holiest of holies, we see not an ark of the covenant, but rather an altar. Just as the blood of the lamb was poured out on the ark of the covenant, we see the lamb of God crucified, his blood being poured out on the altar, showing that the true ark of the covenant, the true blood is Christ Jesus and his altar, or rather, more specifically, what rests upon his altar his true body and his true blood, given and shed for us for our forgiveness. In a liturgical church, everything has meaning and purpose. But what does liturgical mean? That word comes from the Greek word liturgos or liturgia. And that word means service. It originally meant the service of the people that they owed to the government, taxes or civic duty, that kind of thing. But in the Christian church, liturgia, service, comes to be understood in a much different way. In the first place, Christ is our king. In the second place, Christ is the one who comes not to be served, but to serve. And so liturgia, comes to be understood as Jesus serving his gathered people. Now, you can file all of this in the why we do what we do folder, and that would be fine. But it becomes extremely important when you ask, what on earth is going on on a Sunday morning? What should be going on? Because it is a sad fact indicative of our age that most in the modern church have lost sight of this. What happens on Sunday morning would be answered by them as 
Well, man's efforts to please and praise God, to present his merits and worthiness towards God so that God might bless us. Sometimes it simply devolves to entertainment, feel-goodism. Other times, self-help and an ever-new scale and schedule of what you must do next in order to be a good Christian is presented. Is that really what Sunday morning is for? In a word, no. We come to church primarily to be served, to receive, to be served by the one who came to serve. As the Lord Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, so he truly comes into our midst and absolves us of our sins. As the Lord Jesus taught his disciples as they gathered around his table, so he is truly present with us and teaches us. As he gave his disciples bread and wine, saying, this is my body, this is my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So he gives us these very gifts, present tense, that he might cleanse our hearts, heal our souls, strengthen our faith. A merciful-hearted good shepherd, a merciful-hearted pastor indeed. What's happening at church is that Jesus, the divine one, is present with us. Remember how he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. And he comes not primarily to be served, but to serve. That's why we call our services divine service. We're not saying the non-denominational service is all right, the Roman Catholic service is a little better, but our service as Lutherans is divine. No, we're saying that the divine service is the divine one. Our Lord Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, truly present with us, serving us through his word and sacraments. In fact, we are critical and we have good reason to be critical of so-called non-denominational churches and of Roman Catholic churches precisely because they've changed what happens on Sunday morning. They've changed it from Jesus serving you, which is gospel, to you serving Jesus, which is law. We see this in the Roman Catholic Church's so-called sacrifice for the Mass, where Holy Communion is, to, instead of a gracious gift from God to us, is turned into our work of sacrifice to God, and on the emphasis of meriting or earning God's grace and favor. And we see this in the so-called non-denominational churches, where all the emphasis is put on your worship, your praise, your transformed life, what you have to offer to God. For all the external differences, non-denominational and Roman Catholic worship is very much the same. It's man serving God rather than God serving man. The emphasis is on the wrong syllable. We love because he first loved us. We serve him because he first serves us. Our prayer and praise are the result of his past and his present tense, mercy, his service to us. If you know any Roman Catholics who are just going through the motions or evangelicals who are just about to burn out, pretty much this is why. 
They've been taught that the heart of Sunday morning, and thus the essence of Christianity, isn't about what God is doing for us, but about what we're doing for God. And not only is that exhausting, it's wrong. And it's a recipe to fall into despair and say, if this is what a true Christian must do, I cannot do this. I'm out. This Sunday, we hear once more, and we do not take it for granted, the words of our risen Lord Jesus, where he speaks to us present tense, reminding us what Christianity, what Sunday morning are truly about. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Then he goes on to speak of those who are not at all like him, who flee when danger arises, who care only for themselves. Then he says again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Not once but twice Jesus speaks of himself as the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. But don't miss how upside down and how wonderful this is simply because it's familiar to you. Would you lay down your life for a sheep? Of course not. But God lays down his life for people, the shepherd, for the sheep. It may seem strange to say that the heart of Christianity, the heart of Sunday morning, is God-serving man, precisely because that sounds upside down. But it is upside down. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Our Lord Jesus serves us. And so we see, too, how Jesus proclaims his resurrection. After he lays down his life for the sheep, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Of course, if we recall that shepherd means pastor, we can see even more clearly what our Lord is saying. When he is risen from the dead, he will draw all his sheep into his fold, and they will hear his voice. Jesus is risen from the dead to be our pastor, our shepherd. And of course, this is exactly what St. Peter writes. We heard it just a few moments ago. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Or, translated, the pastor and bishop of your souls. Jesus is our merciful-hearted pastor. He comes to us in the way of his sermons, and he comes present tense, as the one who searches for the lost sheep, as the one who sweeps for the fallen coin, as the one who loves both the sinful son and the self-righteous son and invites them both into the feast. He and all of heaven rejoice over every sinner who repents. He comes present tense as the sower, scattering the gospel to all, as the king who throws a banquet, inviting all, as the vine dresser who spares the fruitless tree. He is the good Samaritan who saves the helpless one. And he is, as we hear him preach today, the good shepherd, the pastor and bishop of our souls. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. 
And he means those words. Whoever. He comes not for the well, but for the sick. Not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. Jesus comes only for sinners. And that means he comes for you and for me. He doesn't wait for us to clean ourselves up or heal ourselves or make ourselves worthy of his pastoral care. Nor does he forsake us when troubles come, when our sins go up over our heads, when the devil attacks us and causes us by reason of our weakness to fall. No, he comes to us as a good shepherd, as a merciful-hearted pastor, to rescue, to have mercy, to comfort, and to save. May our risen and living Lord, the true pastor and bishop of our souls, grant you his peace this day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.